Hi. Do you ever wonder what's the point in doing good? What's the point of trying to do good in a world full of hatred and hostility and violence? Where a good deed here or there seems swallowed up in the enormity of wrongs? A lot of people in the caring professions face this question. And without a good answer, a lot of people burn out or give up or even become succumbed to its power and grow in bitterness towards the world. Even a lot of Christians attempt to do good, but maybe out of a sense of expectation and, and maybe not with a really deep reason and understanding for why we're to do good. Last week, Jerome encouraged us uh, through chapter 2 in Titus that when we celebrate our new identity in Christ, we grow an internal desire and eagerness to do good. In chapter 3, which we're looking at today, Paul, the writer of this letter to Titus, takes this further by pushing us to think about why and how we're to do good in the world, to consider the point of Christian engagement in the public sphere and our participation in civil life, even if it's corrupt and depraved and to think about how we're to be a part of God's redemption of our whole society, to help us see the bigger picture of how God is asking us to participate in his renewal and transformation of our world. So let's just recap on some context. So as we've heard over these last two weeks, Paul wrote this letter to Titus, who was pastoring the churches in Crete, one of the Greek islands. The Christian community was a minority group amongst the Greek peoples who were now under the dominion of the Roman Empire. These Christians lived amongst their Cretan culture, which was actually quite brutal. Every teenage boy was trained to fight and to kill, to be a soldier, basically. And Cretans were known for always being involved in fights, whether public or private, and in murders and civil wars. So this was a tough culture, a culture of hostility and hatred. Into this cultural context and political context, Paul tells Titus in chapter 3, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Was God, through Paul and Titus, asking Christians to just suck it up? To give up their fight for a better world? To accept the status quo of the powerful and live apathetically to what was going on in their world? I think not. This was actually a call to reject the narrative of violence and hostility, which was ingrained in their Cretan culture. And it was a call to embrace a new way of resistance, a non-violent, non-contentious response of peace and gentleness to the issues, the threats and civil disruptions happening all around them. So I think this was actually quite a radical countercultural way for the Cretan Christians to live. 
And this was, response was necessary to protect Christianity as a minority movement from being swallowed up by the poisonous culture surrounding it and from being squashed by the Roman Empire if it was perceived as being a threat to its power. But even more importantly, this call to goodness, to proactive, gentle citizenship, was and still is a megaphone declaring God's love for all humanity. And in this, we see that God's people have a valuable and powerful role in being in synergy with God and how he's at work in the world to transform humanity and its systems. So let's get digging into this more deeply. Firstly, I just want to clarify what is meant by doing good. In this context of talking about our relationship with the state, which then moves to talking about everyone at the end of verse 2, that is all humanity, doing good can be understood as being engaged in social action, as working for justice in all its forms, and as acts of compassion and mercy towards those in need. Doing good is proactive works for a better humanity and a better world. The other thing I want to say here is that the motivations and the means, the why and the how, are actually interconnected. So let's get going. We've got three points. Firstly, we do good because we are recipients of the miracle of God's mercy. Look at chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. It says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love, that word for love is philanthropia, which is God's love for humanity, so when the kindness and the love for humanity of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. When we remember how lost we once were and how we were once trapped in hatred, a couple of things happen. We realise that we are no better than the people that we consider ungodly around us or the people in authority over us that we might want to take issue with. And we remember that the miracle of God's mercy to us personally, though we didn't deserve it. Like everyone else, our merits have nothing to do with our salvation. It's his mercy that saved us from our foolishness and our cruelty. Just in this moment, think of a political leader that you don't have a very high opinion of. Now think of yourself next to that person as one equally in need of God's mercy. Remember, as Andrew and Jerome mentioned in their sermons in the last two weeks, Chesterton's answer to the problem of what is wrong with the world? I am. 
It's this acknowledgement that our own sin affects the state of the world that opens us up to the empathy of God for others, especially those we're inclined to dislike. Could our wonder at God's mercy towards us help us see humanity as we once were, enslaved to hatred and suffering under the forces of evil, and therefore compel us with God's mercy towards empathy and gentleness? Because as we remember God's mercy, we remember that the gospel The initiative of God to save us through the person and work of Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection on our behalf, is the power of God that breaks the hold of evil. It's the power of God that frees humanity from the domination of hatred and hostility, greed, envy and abuses of power. Those in Christ, those who trust his mercy, are now covered by the narrative of God's love for humanity. And this is what sets Christian social action apart from other forms of social action. Unlike movements for justice that are motivated by a hatred of the powerful, Christians can pursue justice from the place of being humble recipients of mercy and see God's love for all humanity, which graciously saved them. Which brings me to my second point. We do good because we are regenerated into a new humanity. Let's read verses 5 to 6. It says, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. God's work of salvation regenerates us like being born anew, into a new way of being, into a new humanity. The Old Testament talks about it like this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 26. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is a new way of being, a transformation of our human nature, enabled by the Holy Spirit so that we can follow the way of God. No longer bound to live according to the cultural narratives of our world a new nature that images God, that actually embodies his love, his justice and righteousness, his mercy and compassion and his grace. A new nature that's endowed with the resources of the Trinitarian God, the love of the Father for the world, the obedience and mediation of the Son through his suffering and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this is both for us as individuals, but for us as the capital C church, as a community. It's this regeneration, this rebirth, this renewal that enables us to follow the example of Christ and image Christ as citizens working for the good of our society. Think of how Jesus responded to the rulers and authorities around him 
When he was arrested, he rebuked one of his disciples for responding with violent protest. And even in that moment of betrayal, created calm by submission and an act of healing. When on trial, he was silent before his accusers, answering only in truth as to his identity. He wasn't angry or aggressive or even defensive. And as he suffered on the cross, he poured out love upon love for humanity. He prayed for forgiveness for his persecutors and absolved the man being crucified on the cross next to him of his, of his sins. And in his death, he broke the narrative of power and hatred. To quote the lyrics of Here is Love by William Rees, grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above and heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Jesus gave us a new way to pursue justice and the flourishing of the world. I want to share the story of a Sudanese man called Ishmael. In this clip we're about to see, Ishmael describes a powerful experience he had with God while he was imprisoned and tortured at the hands of persecutors under the sanction of Sudan's former dictator Omar al-Bashir. This was a horrible time in Sudan's history where hundreds of churches were destroyed, millions of Christians killed and even more Christians tortured, imprisoned and raped. Some of the scenes in this clip are suggestive of violence, but they are dramatisations. However, some younger viewers might still find some of the scenes in this clip a bit distressing. Important. I suffered for Christ and my suffering has led me to learn so many things. country it's very difficult to be a Christian when I was persecuted I was in prison there was no lawyer there was no friend there was nobody I have to ask the difficult questions God where are you why is this happening face a lot of torture, suffering. Every moment they torture me, hate grow in my heart. And because I am angry, it fuels the anger in the hearts of these officers to even torture me more. Days become longer, nights become longer. But as days pass, and I was beaten up, I was bleeding, I was on the floor. I said, God, if I have to suffer for you, I just don't want to die with hate. To die hating, this is just, it's worthless. I, I want to be free. I decided to pray to God to give me a miracle of love and I don't have to live in two prisons. 
prison physically and in prison spiritually. He just affirmed to me that I am with you. I'm suffering with you too in prison. And with that, God opened his heart to me. I decided to choose the Jesus way, just to love them even when they don't deserve it. I begin to speak to everyone in the prison. They beat me more and they torture me more. When the evil attacked me, they faced the love of God. And when they go through the love of God, the power of the evil cools down. When we are persecuted, we still have to love those who persecute us because it is not about us. It is about Jesus Christ. Many of us might say, we don't have the energy. We don't have the strength to love these people. But I would say, just like God did it for me, you can ask him to give you the strength, to give us the miracle to love them. Ishmael said, When the evil attacked me, they faced the love of God. And when they go through the love of God, the power of the evil cools down. Ishmael experienced firsthand the power of the love of God to subvert evil. The power of this love to change the world. As Christians, we too embody this world-changing love. And finally, point three, we can submit to our rulers and authorities. We can live peaceably and gently in a world of hostility and hatred. We can participate in God's way of love to change the world because we are residents of God's kingdom. In verse 7 we read, Having been justified by this grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. We are heirs of hope, heirs of hope in eternal life, yes, but this eternal life which God has manifested through Jesus and is manifesting now through the work of the Spirit through the church. This eternal life is God's kingdom come on earth the reign of God on earth, both present and future. It's a hope in a better world, a perfected world, a world where he's wiped every tear from their eyes, where there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain. As heirs of this present hope, our eternal citizenship starts now. As residents of this kingdom on earth now. Our doing good is actualizing this kingdom, this hope. 
as heirs of this hope, we've been saved to be a part of God's present work of renewing the whole world. And when we live in the reality that God is the one above every power and the one who is our ultimate authority, when our authorities in this world aren't living up to the ways of God, when there's a contradiction, we defer to God's reign and his is a reign of peace and of grace, not of hostility and hatred. And as we're reminded in Ephesians 6 verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, every good work, every act of mercy, every practical gesture of support to someone in need, every gentle attitude demonstrated in the face of hostility, every expression of love in the face of hatred, confronts the spiritual forces of darkness in this world and advances the saving reality and rule of God's love. Just like Ishmael experienced the rule of God's love in him in the face of torture and disarmed the force of evil in that moment, we too can declare the love of God through our good works and our peaceable characters and so crush the force of these spiritual powers of evil and the narratives and the systems of hatred and hostility in our world around us. For the Christians in Crete, their service to society through doing good was how they were to show the love of God for his world and point towards the saving mercy of God. That people would be so attracted by the good of the church by its radical gentleness and peace and be drawn to its saviour. So why should we do good? As residents of God's kingdom and heirs of hope, as recipients of God's mercy who've been renewed in his image, we keep doing good because we've been called and enabled to be in synergy with God and his transformation of our world through love. So my friends, let me end with the last words of this passage from verse 8. Those who believe in God, keep devoting yourselves to doing good works. They are always beautiful and profitable for everyone. Amen.